This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's been little more than a month since the Veterans Affairs Department became the first federal agency to mandate COVID-19 vaccines for at least a portion of its workforce. VA says it's seeing an uptick in employee vaccinations since then, but it's also seeing a surge in COVID cases and even deaths among its staff. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco joins me now to run through the numbers and explain how things are going. And Nicole, let's start with the VA vaccine policy. How do things stand today on that? So, Tom, on July 26, uh, VA Secretary uh, Dennis McDonough announced his plans for this vaccine mandate. And the details weren't quite clear, but essentially it amounts to you either need to get vaccinated and if VA hasn't done your vaccination, you need to submit proof that you have been vaccinated or you need to request a religious or medical accommodation and agree in writing basically to wear a mask and abide by some other uh, rules as well. And so this policy was expanded to include more employees at the Veterans Health Administration to just about all of them. That's my sense, at least. And so at this point, you know, we've heard from VA that they are seeing more employees get vaccinated. At least they're administering more employee vaccinations, we should say. Again, employees have other avenues to get vaccinated. They don't necessarily have to at their job, but it might be easier. And so a VA spokesman told us recently, Tom, that VA has given at least one dose to an additional 9,000 employees In the last month or so, again, that number might fluctuate there depending on who exactly is included in that group. Interestingly enough, though, you know, the discipline piece came up with this, exactly how VA was going to enforce this new policy. And from what I can tell, discipline isn't quite on the table just yet. So VA, after announcing the policy at the end of July and then expanding it to more people in mid-August or so, has now set this date of October 8th for employees to show that they've been vaccinated or to have figured out their religious or medical accommodations. And VA says only then will it begin to enforce discipline on those who don't comply. And how does all of this compare to what you've seen at the other agencies across the government? So while this policy applies specifically to Veterans Health Administration employees, VA also said it's, you know, using the policies that the Safer Federal Workforce Task Force has put in place for other federal agencies. And of course, that means you have to either attest to your vaccination status or you have to face, you know, weekly testing. And so VA says it's complying with that as well. So while discipline isn't really on the table, in my mind, Tom, the policy looks like a lot a lot like what everybody else is doing, at least at this point, until they collect more of that employee data, at least from the VHA side. Everybody else in the department, it seems, is moving forward with what other federal agencies are doing. And we've seen that that's a real complicated setup. You know, setting up those testing programs has been difficult. It's unclear that many are in place at some of these big agencies. And so I think there's more to come on that one. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. And that whole idea of proof itself is a little bit dicey because the little CDC cards that are don't fit in anybody's wallet, can easily be reproduced on a piece of cardboard and filled in. Or if you can get a hold of one, you can fill it in. So ultimately, everyone is still relying on everyone else's honesty and goodwill, I guess, in the whole thing. Yes. However, I think VA has one advantage here than perhaps some other employers in that they are administering the vaccine themselves. 
And if you look on their uh, data dashboard that's tracking vaccinations among employees and veterans, I mean, you see it right there. As of today, I'm looking at it right now, 307,398 employees have apparently been fully vaccinated. And that is, I, I believe, those vaccinations that VA is doing. And so those numbers, I've seen them myself as I've been working on this story, have ticked up in the last couple of days. And so I think from VA's perspective, it might be a little easier for them to actually guarantee that they have been vaccinated. And with respect to the COVID cases that are occurring in the VA workforce and the deaths that we mentioned at the top, give us some of the numbers there. How are they doing? So VA, like everyone else around the country, is dealing with a surge in active COVID cases, both veterans that they're treating as well as employees. And right now, the active caseload is 13,000 500 or so, uh, give or take. Of course, that changes hourly. And as far as the employee base goes, about 1,200 or so employees apparently have active cases, according to VA's dashboard. Uh, At the end of last month, the acting Undersecretary for Health, Stephen Lieberman, sent out a message to employees suggesting that, you know, they were seeing a rise in staff calling out sick and, and getting covid and actually said that the most number of employees in a single month had died due to COVID in the month of August. And VA has since confirmed that's not quite accurate. Actually, those totals grew to about 28 or so, 25 last December and into January. And so those were the uh, the most trying months for VA when it comes to employee deaths. But they're certainly seeing a rise in cases. And, you know, they reminded employees to, uh, you know, continue to talk to each other about this and help each other out. And, of course, there are employee assistance programs as well to help them. And what about the employee unions? You mentioned those briefly. Are they being consulted in this whole thing? Are they part of the planning process? I mean, under the Biden administration, pretty much they've said repeatedly that whatever initiatives like this they take on, they will do in cooperation with the unions. They are. And in fact, I think that's one of the reasons why we're not necessarily seeing a ton of action with these vaccine policies and the testing policies. Both the American Federation of Government Employees and the National Federation of Federal Employees, they both represent frontline health workers at VA, say that they're in the middle of bargaining with the department over these policies. You know, for right now, again, the disciplinary piece isn't really on the table. And so, because it's not, there isn't necessarily a lot of enforcement happening at this moment. Once they get past that deadline and once bargaining ends, we're not sure when it will, you know, we might start to see some more interesting numbers about how employees have complied with this. And this as we're on the threshold of the great booster debate, and nobody knows where that's going to head. Right. Well, VA actually confirmed that they have not started administering booster shots to their employees and no timeline provided on, on when they might. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out her story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. 
Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Uh, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about, but that's should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? 
you have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I, I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-Stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, w- WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. 
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.